GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand. Thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Kelly M. Borge. We're talking Movember. Will you be growing at a tash to raise awareness for prostate cancer? Derek Gio will be telling us about the charity's work. The Rotary Club is hosting a grand auction to raise funds for both local and international causes. We find out more from Jane Hart. Across the border, caretaker Spanish Premier Pedro Sanchez says he supports amnesty for Catalan activists involved in the 2017 referendum. The clock is ticking on a second attempt at the investiture. Our reporter Kem Ruiz has been following developments. It has been two months, almost six, seven weeks, uh, to be correct, since uh, the failed um, attempt at the investiture by uh, Feijó, the leader of the Partido Popular. We saw some movement this weekend. Of course, Pedro Sánchez has since been um, very active in trying to um, form pacts, negotiations, alliances with the different parties to the left of the Spanish spectrum. And yesterday... Um, members of the Partido Socialista Español, the Socialist Party, the SOE, were invited uh, to vote on the agreements being proposed by Pedro Sánchez and the far-left Sumar, as well as the Basque and Catalan independent parties. Of course, we've seen uh, elements of that agreement already floated to the press. We've seen um, some social reform, uh, the reduction of um, the working week to 37 hours. Um, all those, um, they're voting on a very specific question, which is, apoyas el acuerdo para formar un gobierno con Sumar y lograr el apoyo de otras formaciones políticas para alcanzar la mayoría necesaria. So Pedro Sánchez is asking his membership, which is 172,000 uh, members will be voting um, on this question, whether they, you know, they, they have um, their blessing um, for, for Sánchez to move ahead with this agreement with Sumar, uh, which is far left, of course, and the Catalan and Basque uh, independent parties. And obviously that's a big thing, the amnesty. And we have a little clip of him that you've selected for us. How much? Shall we listen to yes. that now, Kev? Yep, yep. Pero de las elecciones se desprende una razón aún más poderosa. Y me parece que es mucho más concluyente. Y es una razón de oportunidad. Porque el resultado en Cataluña, el del pasado 23 de julio, prueba que las medidas de gracia, los indultos, han tenido un efecto mucho mayor del que podía suponerse sobre la sociedad catalana. Y ese efecto ha sido abrumadoramente favorable para el reencuentro y la superación del trauma, de la ruptura que vivimos en 2017. Dicho de otro modo, Cataluña está lista para el reencuentro total. Los representantes de más del 80% de los catalanes respaldan esta medida y por esas mismas razones, en el nombre de España, en el interés de España, en defensa de la convivencia entre españoles, defiendo hoy la amnistía en Cataluña por los hechos acaecidos en la década. Of course, Kelly, important bite there, important statement by Sanchez um, on Saturday at a public event. He was try- he's trying to reconcile Spain, which following that referendum in Catalonia in 2017, um, it's felt it's, it's fragmented Spain. And he's saying there that Catalonia is ready for a total reunion. More than 80% of uh, Catalans support the measures that he's proposing and the name of in, uh, and in the name and interests of Spain. Um, and in the defense of coexistence and harmony in Spain, he defends and supports the amnesty in Catalonia. Of course, this is a biggie because... Um, it's Sanchez, a controversial move. This must be dividing support for him. Well, initially, yes. I mean, and Sanchez was very careful about his choice of words. I mean, everybody sort of um, 
already knew he was moving towards granting an amnesty um, to the Catalan activists, but he, he, he avoided the use of the word. He avoided being explicit about it. Um, those were the red lines he set out, like the Pepe. They had the similar red lines. Um, those red lines started to blur um, in the last few months. In the last few weeks, he's become more explicit. And now I think it's the second or third time he makes a direct reference to it. This Saturday, with that bite, he made a very explicit um, reference to it. Of course, he's trying to um, break the impasse. He's trying to reconcile Spain. He's already very clearly said as well that... Um, forming a coalition and, um, um, and and gaining the support of the left parties, the uh, um, the pro-independent parties, the far left, is the only option available to him in order to um, restore government, since they restore movement and, and form a government. Um, that's ticking as well, and that's coming mm-hmm. up because it's got an expiry date. The What's the Carta, timeline now? The Magna Carta in Spain sets out that um, two months after a failed investiture, a second attempt must take place within that two-month window. Failing that, that takes us to the 27th of November. So, you know, time is ticking. The clock is ticking. He's only got a couple of weeks. Now, dates have been proposed for his investiture. It was thought it was going to be Monday the 6th. That vote's still happening. Um, the votes, the results are not expected until Sunday. So that completely eliminates next week as a, as a possible week for the investors to take place. We're now looking at the week of the 13th, which is just days before the expiry date. Um, the investiture will be very similar to what Feijó went through two months ago. Um, we'll see Sanchez trying to gain um, an absolute majority um, in the first round, uh, meaning he needs all the yeses. If that fails, he's got a 48-hour window to try and negotiate and get some movement and get some support. And he's got a second attempt again. This time, the, the, the stakes are lowered and he'll need a simple majority, meaning he needs more yeses than noes. And of course, you're following all this very closely, Kevin, because it's, apart from it being interesting, it's, it has a very direct impact on Gibraltar. There will be a knock-on effect based on those results. I mean, in Gibraltar, we're following very closely because um, uh, for the last few months since uh, June, since the beginning of the summer, all treaty talks have been uh, on pause. Um, we've not been able to continue those treaty talks. Um, it's hoped if Sanchez, um, with his new coalition government, moves into government, um, we can restore and resume those talks practically from where we left off. That's what we think. Um, a change would mean Spain going to the polls, uh, the risk of the Pepe coming in, and perhaps uh, starting from scratch after so many years of negotiations. If you have some spare cash to spend and want to support both local and international charities, then the Rotary Club is hosting just the event for you. A grand auction on the 21st of November will have over 100 items to auction from holidays to flying lessons. And the Rotary Club's Jane Hart is here to tell me more. Good afternoon, Jane. Thank you for Good coming in. Good afternoon, Karen. Thank you for having me. Perhaps we can just start by, by explaining what the Rotary Club does. Well, the Rotary Club basically is a, sell, a service club you join because you i always say people say to me why are you a rotarian jane and i said to make the world a better place um our main aim is to provide for our community for those people in need for all our little societies and clubs we've got around you know charity clubs we try and give to all of them women in need we always look after at christmas we look after the children in the children's ward at christmas and at easter time and literally, you know, if, if anybody comes to us in dire need or any association, charity association, we encourage them to come to the club to tell us what their charity is all about. And then we all the members, we know what it's all about. And we decide, you know, 
Are we going to put on something special for them, like we put on our car boot sales? Some of them will be earmarked specially for a charity, and some of the funds just goes into the Rotary Charity Fund. We always like to have a little nest egg there in case there's a major tragedy in the world, which of course has been too many this year. And a great deal of our money goes to a, a company called Shelterbox, been part of Rotary now for about 15 years. And they literally put a survival kit into a box that a family can survive for a year with. So it's got a tent, it's got sleeping beds, it's got water purification, it's got solar panels, it's got a little cooking kit for the mum, a workman's kit for the father, and toys for the children. And it just literally, you know, bridges an emergency for about a year so that people at least are have got sh- shelter and accommodation. And some of our money for the auction will be going to that because, as I say, this year's been a terrible year with catastrophes everywhere. That's amazing. And of course, uh, none of this uh, would be possible if it weren't for your fundraising efforts. And that's actually directly uh, your responsibility in the charity. You're the fundraising officer. Now, you you just told me before going live that you've been involved in the charity for 17 years, Jane. So what first motivated you to get involved in the Rotary Club? Well, it's really funny because, I mean, those of you who don't only know me by the Rotary Club will also know that I own a business called Denville Designs, which is an interior decorating business. And I got invited to the club to talk on outdoor furniture, I think it was. And it just, I suddenly looked at it all and I thought, I want to give back to Gibraltar because Gibraltar's given a lot to me. And being a Rotarian is a way that I can give back to my community. And there is a real sense of community that's at the heart of the charity, isn't it? That is, uh, yeah. And I know you're always welcoming uh, new members. So we are, yes. Uh, in terms of numbers, what, what are you looking at now? We're now about 54 members, which is, is good and healthy for us. We're only a small club, of course. Um, but we've got a, quite a, a, an influx of younger members, which is good, because we were going to get a bit like a pensioners club, you know. <laughs> and now we've got, you know, about 50-50. We're 50% women, 50% men. And 50% sort of under 40 and 50% over. So it's a good mixture. I know recently, I think a couple of years ago, we ran a story, GBC did, on the Rotary Club offering grants to youngsters that's for right. vocational courses or right. educational projects. Yeah. Is that something that's still done? Yes, that's still very special. It's given to us, uh, it's a Duke of Edinburgh's award scheme and it's given to us by the convent. Uh, and we get a grant, every, well, we have done for the last three years. And then we offer that grant out to children between the ages of 13 and 18 who have want to do something that they wouldn't normally be able to do because of the lack of funds. Say they want to study the environment. We pay for the courses. We've paid for gymnastic uh, competitions. We've paid for people going to Ghana, visiting Ghana, you know, on a school trip and building schools in Ghana. Uh, It goes to anyone aged, as I say, between 13 and 18, and we will take into consideration groups like dancing groups, gymnastic groups that need a bit of financial help. Now, you must have, I mean, over the course of the last 17 years and 15 years as fundraising officer, you must have held so many events to help the charity do what it does. Have have. any in particular really stood out in your your mind? Any that you're particularly proud of? Yeah, particularly proud of the Queen's anniversaries. For her golden anniversary, we did a hog roast, which still people remember. And then for her platinum anniversary, I had a street party, which was the only street party in Gibraltar for the platinum um, anniversary. And the governor came and it was in governor's parade. So it was great fun for everybody, children and adults alike, to be able to celebrate the day 
actually, not just watching it on television. And I did a couple of concerts in the cave, which was very ambitious. Uh, the, the last one I did was to celebrate 50 years of Rotary in Gibraltar. And I themed it with James Bond because it was 50 years since James Bond had started making his films. And uh, so, you know, the cave was a natural place for it. All sounds like great fun. And I don't know whether you heard at the beginning of the show, we played a short clip from the district governor for Gibraltar, the charity, Ray Dixon. And he really praised the local branch. He said that Gibraltar is a branch that gets the most visits and it's actually the, the most fun branch. So that you must be quite pleased to hear that. Yeah, I am. I mean, he's very generous to us. It is Ray that actually um, recommends that we we be given the grant. Um, the other charities have it as well. It's all gained by a charity golf show in Soto Grande. Um, there's where the money is raised. But yes, we're very, very privileged to be able to have the honour to be able to help the young children here. And now you have this grand auction. That's your next fundraiser on yes, the 21st that's, that's of November. Big over 100 lots. Well, over 100 lots, but don't let it frighten people because we've got a silent auction and an actual auction. So we've we've separated goods that are worth under £100. They all go out on display with lots and a piece of paper underneath and you make your own bid. So it's a bit of fun, actually, you know. I'll go along and say, oh, that's worth £10. And then somebody else will come along and say, well, I think it's worth 15 And that's the fun of it. And then we've got Etienne, who is going to be um, doing our live auction. And this is for really, really big lots. Flying lessons, as you said, a trip and a tiger moth. Um... We've been, the, everybody has been so generous, particularly the companies here in Gibraltar have given so generously such lovely prizes. Um, Tell me more about some of those really big items, some of those highlights to look out for. Well, we've got, I, I don't know if there's any art lovers here, but we have got or been donated to us with Providence two paintings, one which is valued when it was bought 11 years ago, £2,500, and one at £3,500. So any art lovers or art collectors or, or people interested in buying and selling on, that's a real chance for you to, to really grab a prize. Uh, we have flying lessons. We have a, a day out in a, a tiger moth. Uh, we have a, a holiday in Portugal. Uh, there's so many, um, and they are really, really good prizes. We've got three luxury um, hampers. We've got a Christmas hamper and a luxury hamper and a gourmet hamper. Uh, they're all worth well over £100 for bottles of champagne and every ticket that you buy to go is numbered and so we will draw the winning ticket and the winning number gets two bottles of champagne. So, you know, it's a day where everybody can have a lot of fun, make a lot of money for charity and really enjoy themselves. Sounds like a win-win. Yeah. So that's on the 21st of November. Uh, do people need to buy tickets in advance? Yes, that's you do uh, need to buy mm -hmm. tickets in advance. We've already sold 50%. So if you're really interested in coming for a great evening, £20 a ticket, including food and drink. And um, you can buy them from Chesterton's. He's got, they've got tickets there. Or if you can't get down to Chesterton's, if you go onto our website or you go onto our Facebook page, it's got details of telephone numbers where you can get tickets. And Jane, just before um, just before we leave this topic, uh, people do want to join the Rotary Club. They've heard you and they thought, actually, you know what? I need something in my life that's going to give back to the community and it sounds like great fun. How is the best way that they can get involved? Well, we meet every Tuesday at the Rock Hotel for 7.30. Twice a month we have someone's of the local community come and talk to us about what they do, or as I say, sometimes it's a charity to tell us what they're about. 
Um, and then one one Tuesday a month, we have a business meeting, which is members only, where we talk about the things that we're doing in the club and the finances of the club, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then the last Tuesday of the month is our fun evening. We go for a dine out somewhere, and that's just pure joy. And we just don't actually talk business; we just talk fun. Tomorrow is the start of the prostate cancer charity's walnut campaign, and the local charity's Derek Gior joins me now. Good afternoon, Derek. Good afternoon, Kevin. Uh, Derek, to be here. November really is uh, the biggest month for the prostate cancer charity, isn't it? Both in terms of fundraising, but also in terms of awareness. Correct, yes. Uh, although we carry out uh, an awareness campaign throughout the year, um, November is usually the, the year that we uh, increase uh, the awareness campaign. And uh, obviously we do that for a number of reasons. Um um, obviously, one being that, uh, and the way we do it is is for men to grow their tash, their moustache, and and that is very important. Um, uh, it's a good talking point. You, know, you well, see someone growing their moustache when they don't normally have one, and that's a, a way, I suppose, to get that conversation started. Exactly, uh, conversations saves lives uh, because if you see, you know, a friend that is wearing a tash. The obvious question is, what are you doing? You you look terrible or you look handsome. They I, are coming back into fashion lately. Uh, I don't know whether you've noticed, but they're quite no, in trend. No, I haven't. <laughs> you don't agree? <laughs> I, I, I haven't noticed, no. But uh, as I say, uh, I mean, I, I know we know of a couple of stories that um, in, you know, a few years back where, where friends actually asked um, another friend, why are you wearing the tash? And he said, uh, because this is awareness of prostate cancer. Have you tested for prostate cancer? And he hadn't. And the fact is that when he did, he found that he had prostate cancer. So his friend saved his life. Wow, just that one conversation. Exactly. And uh, it, and he hadn't seen any or noticed any symptoms ahead of that? No, no. And, wow. and this is a worrying factor because more men are being diagnosed today that showed no symptoms at all. You know, and, and they found prostate cancer. Uh, tomorrow morning at the launch, I will be providing uh, worrying figures mm-hmm. on on the uh, amount of men that have been diagnosed with prostate cancer and and quite a lot significantly. So uh, it's quite worrying that in a small community such as this, that there is a high number of uh, prostate cancer diagnosis. And what is the, the process if you are diagnosed? There are different stages, there are different um, severities of, of prostate cancer and then yes. uh, what kind of options are given to, to those patients? Well, at, at the moment, the, the, the severity of prostate cancer really ranks into two camps, if you like. The low-risk uh, cancer, which, I mean, you can live, so they say, quite comfortably with it. Depending on your age, you probably die of something else and not from prostate cancer. And the more aggressive cancer that really goes out to to get you, and and those need urgent intervention, um, and and then well there there are various of treatments. One being uh, radiotherapy, the other one is being extraction of the prostate, which again you know that that carries a lot of uh, after effects if you like. But uh, the main thing here is to save your life, you know. And there's very much, uh, there's always been a, a stigma around this, which is part of the campaign's aim, to break that stigma and, and get that conversation started. Do you think that's improved over the years? Oh, totally, yes. Um, we've campaigned very hard over the years uh, to remove the taboo on, on prostate cancer. And uh, men now are more openly, um, you know, talking about the, uh, the, the uh, disease. 
Uh, we also have a, a buddies uh, program where, where you know, we offer newly diagnosed patients um, the, uh, you know, the off- we offer them the chance to speak to a, a person or a man that's already been through the experience. So, and, and, um, and we meet every month on the second Thursday of every month. And, um, and also, on, in addition, we've, we've, because some men are reluctant uh, to come forward and talk about it, we've also targeted um, the, their partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, to this cause, we've, we've uh, added a female uh, uh, partner, a female um, to the committee, and her name is Lydia Bardakino. And um, and all the, uh, there's been quite a few partners that have approached her, uh, asking how do I get my, you know, my male partner to. I don't want to generalise, but men are are known for being a bit stubborn when it comes to wanting to go to the doctor. Yes, need that, that extra has, little push. That's correct. It has to be said that men are very reluctant uh, uh, to you know to go for treatment or or to find out if they have anything, and we know their partners are very persuasive in getting them to, to see the doctors. And that is a very important, you know, where anything, I mean, men need to look after themselves. They need to be responsible for themselves. And, uh, and to that extent, that is our message. But I have to say that the, the taboo subject that was a few years back has uh, been improved mainly to the uh, awareness campaign that we do throughout the year. And where do you think that fear stems from, from men not wanting to get checked? Is it the actual testing process? Is it the fear of diagnosis? No, uh, what, that, where do you think it comes from? Well, that, that was in, at the beginning, if you like, when men had to have a finger up the rectum to test if they had prostate cancer or not. And um, as you can imagine, many men were not, uh, you know... Very keen in, on the idea. Yeah, in mm-hmm. favour of that. Uh, but right now, look, to get tested, all you need is a, a simple blood test. And uh, and all you need to do is send an email to prostate at gha.gi to book your appointments. Uh, you, you bypass the appointment system at the uh, GHA altogether. So there's no excuse why you can't be tested. And luckily, like you said, it is just a blood test nowadays. But even if it was a more invasive test, um, these literally save lives. So in the grand Absolutely. scheme of things, it's still worth going. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. The, the the you know the, our main mission is to save as many lives as possible from prostate cancer, uh, and if you do that, obviously there's a, a, a after effects and stuff. But look, we've we've got you in time. We've saved your life, or he saved his life. Yeah. So so you mentioned that a lot of patients being diagnosed didn't even have symptoms to begin with. But what are some of the more common symptoms uh, that people can look out for? Well, I'll, I mean, there's a, a lot of symptoms, but um, I won't say usually, but or mostly. But when you hear about those, they feel those symptoms. The prostate cancer could be fairly advanced, but it's not always the case. But look, it could be a weak or interrupted flow of urine, um, especially at night. If you get up three or four times at night, then there's something wrong with your, you know, uh, with your prostate. Um, you trouble emptying the bladder com- completely. That's another one. Pain or burning sensation during urination. Uh, blood in the semen. Uh, bone pain, weight loss, erectile dysfunction. Um, but as I say, a, a growing trend is that more men uh, who have shown no symptoms at all are being diagnosed with prostate cancer. And that, that is very worrying. 
It is. It is. And uh, the awareness that you're raising is so important. But on the flip side of that, you're also fundraising. That's also one of your main campaigns. So tell us about the work that the charity does in terms of raising money. Well, we, we have a, um, an, a schedule of events for this month, uh, beginning with um, uh, the 5th of November. Well, we have a clay pigeon target shooting up at Europa Adventure. Um, the Gibraltar Clay Target, Asso- Target Association have gladly uh, made the fundraising events for us. And that's on the 5th of November from 10 to 3. Um, the other one is on the 18th of November. Um, we're going to have the fun walk. And that starts at 11. So please be there in time to register. Uh, the, the other events that we're going to have in November is going to be the run um, organized by the uh, the running association, the Gibraltar Amateur um, Running Association. And uh, also on that day, we're going to have our shave off. So all the men that have uh, grown their tash, uh, feel free to come over to casements and ask uh, from 10.30 to shave your tash, you know. Now, Derek, you, you're sporting a goatee at the moment. So do you shave this off today in anticipation for tomorrow to <laughs> yes, start afresh? <laughs> that's correct, yes. I start afresh tomorrow morning, uh, clean face, clean tash. And then uh, obviously there are rules how to uh, trim your tash, etc. Oh, but so there are rules. It's quite serious. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. It's, uh, <laughs> so can you be a bit creative with it? Uh, hopefully. So Derek, obviously the fundraising has been very successful for you in the past because just a couple of years ago, uh, the charity purchased new biopsy equipment for the GHA worth £200,000 and that was supposed to enhance the GHA's ability to detect uh, cancer quite early on. So are you happy with with the progress that's been made in that respect? Absolutely, very happy. Let me say that the uh, transparenial um, targeted biopsy, you know, was, was was bought in conjunction with Kutsuma Trust. They donated 50% of the funds. And I can also say that that machine has been, the medical equipment has been in opera, I mean, in, in operation since December 21st when it was first used. I have the figures which I will release tomorrow, but I you can can't tell give us you, um, an indication of what those figures are now. Uh, well, I can say that about 50% of those that have been biopsied has been uh, prostate cancer. Wow, that's so, a so staggering quite, amount. It's, yes, it's quite And a these lot. Are, are routine checks because men over yeah. a certain age, they're, whether, like you said, whether they have symptoms or not, they're, they're open to getting tested. And Yes, they, they've made the first step in mm-hmm. requesting a, a PSA test. Uh, I mean, at this stage, I've got to say that PSA is not the indicator of prostate cancer. I've got to be very clear on that. But it does say that it's... Uh, something abnormal in your waterworks, so to speak. Now, um, I, the PSA is high, the same due to an MRI, and then in the MRI will show if there's something there of, of concern, and the biopsy machine, uh, medical equipment, which is the one that we bought, will now signify if it's of concern or not. And and this is the success of, 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 of last year, if you like, and, and that was our objective last year, that now we are able to say, you have cancer or or you don't have cancer with absolute certainty. Now, a couple of years ago, you also said you wanted to see an MRI screening introduced as standard. Um, you said then 2021, you wanted that over the next two years, as now 2023. So what's the latest on that, do you know? Um, well, yes, we, we did mention that on the 21st because the charities uh, saw that the way forward for prostate screening, right, which is very different to what we're doing now with the PSA uh, um, it's not PSA screening, right? 
Um, uh, with the MRI, MRI, we can call it an MRI screening. Uh, and look, we're, we're very happy with the the announcement in the you know in the election manifesto by the uh, GSLP that I mentioned on page one four five of um, you know the the well the, the commitment to do pro, um, MRI prostate screening. Um, I, I mean that's a big thank you to the government of Gibraltar because with that uh, we, we're going to save more lives than we do now, and and. Uh, you know, we need to get every man from the age of 50 upwards. Um, I can tell you that there's even been men as like 49 years old that has tested positive for prostate cancer and they have to be urgently, you know, transferred to UK for, for an operation. So, uh, and that is very important uh, to diagnose early. If you, if you get, uh, you know, if you are diagnosed early, you get 99.9% of surviving this disease. You know, and that is absolute, absolute crucial that we do that. Uh, the more men we get to, you know, to get tested, the more men that will survive this disease. Well, well done to you and your team on the charity for the work that you do and all the best in this upcoming month is a big one for you. So I uh, hope it goes really well. Thank you so much, Derek Gio from the Prostate Cancer Charity. And if anyone does want to get involved, you guys are on social media, aren't you? So people can contact you there? Correct. We, we've got a number, but um, we've got a man, uh, our Facebook number on website and uh, everybody knows each other here. So and, Feel and, free to get in touch. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Any time of the day. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar Today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.